Hello and welcome to the Standard Deviations Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Daniel Crosby. Great to be with you today. Uh, Today we're going to talk about a bit of a contentious issue, and that is emotion and investment decision making. Now there is a subset of the world that believes that emotion can provide us with some useful signal when we're trying to make investment decisions. And then there are others in the camp that believe that emotion does mostly bad things. Now I took this on uh, in my latest book, The Behavioral Investor, that's now available for pre-order. It'll be out in October. But The Behavioral Investor covers this in depth, but I want to share a few other thoughts on this today uh, without spoiling any of the things that you'll read there. So today we're going to talk about affect heuristic. Now, one of the reasons psychologists can charge you $200 an hour to ask, how does that make you feel, uh, is because we have become great at putting fancy labels, jargon, on things that would otherwise be very intuitive. Now, the tongue-twisting affect heuristic is just the latest example of one of these things. It's simply a reference to our tendency to perceive the world through the lens of whatever mood we are in. So affect heuristic is the tendency we have to perceive the world through the lens of whatever mood we're in. So for example, when I give a seminar on risk assessment, I often ask participants to write down the word die. So I'd like to ask you to do that now. Go write, take a minute, write down the word die and don't overthink it. Just write the first thing that comes to your mind. Now, it it turns out, of course, that there are a couple of ways to spell die. There's the D-I-E spelling or the D-Y-E spelling. And it turns out that the way that you spelled the word may have a lot to do with the kind of day you're having. So those who spelled the word die, as in D-I-E, might need a hug, might be having a bit of a bad day, uh, while those that spelled the word D-Y-E are probably doing fine. Uh, Because the mood that we're in impacts our recall. If we're in a bad mood, we think about death first. If we're in a good mood, we think about color first. So if you ask someone who's having a bad day, you know, those that wrote D-I-E, I'm looking at you. If you ask them about their childhood, they're going to tell you how they were chubby, how they had zits, and they never got picked first for kickball. But if you ask someone having a good day, those that wrote D-Y-E, You ask them about their childhood, and they're going to tell you about summer in Nantucket and triple dips from the Tasty Freeze. Memory and perception aren't infallible storage, right? Memory and perception are moving targets, and they're colored by our mood, not infallible retrieval and evaluation machines through which we make unbiased decisions. So what's the moral of all this? Think about the last time you went shopping when you were hungry. You know, once you've thought of this, think back on the contents of your cart or your buggy, as we call it here in the Deep South. If you're like me, you probably had a whole bunch of ho-hos and ding-dongs and nutty buddies. And then, of course, Diet Coke, because you don't want to get fat. Uh, But nothing very healthy or substantive. Now, the same rules apply to making any life decision that requires risk assessment. If you try to make big decisions when you're happy, sad, angry, in love, anxious, worried, euphoric, any sort of elevated emotion, you're likely to end up with a life full of junk. 
Now, when speaking to investors about affect heuristic, I borrow uh, an acronym from the addiction literature. I guess it's a sort of an acrostic, and it's H-A-L-T, which stands for hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. So these 12-step and other addiction recovery programs encourage those who are working to get better not to make decisions when they are in any of the emotional states described in HALT, and this is really sound advice for investors as well. You don't view investment risk independent of your emotional state, and so making long-term financial decisions in a short-term elevated emotional state should be avoided altogether. So to continue this conversation, I want to uh, turn now to some of the work done by the affable behavioral economist Dan Ariely. So in his most famous work, Predictably Irrational, uh, Ariely reports on some, shall we say, stimulating work done by himself and a group of colleagues. So Ariely and his uh, colleagues asked a group of 19 students 19 questions about their sexual preferences including their propensity to engage in odd sexual behaviors, to cheat on a partner, uh, to practice safe sex, and engage respectfully with other people. Now, they first asked these questions of the students in a cold state in which they were emotionally and sexually unaroused. As you might have guessed, the tendency among the students in the cold state was to advocate for safe, consensual sex that respected the wishes of the partner and occurred within the context uh, of a loving relationship. But as in all psychological experiments, it gets better from there because next Ariely and team introduced emotion into the exercise in the form of pornography, pornographic images aimed at sexually and emotionally arousing the participants. Now, this is when things began to change when emotion entered the picture. Because when sexually aroused, the answers of the participants to the 19 questions changed dramatically. They were 136% more likely to cheat on a partner, 72% more likely to engage in odd sexual activities, and 25% more likely to have unprotected sex. Ariely sums it up thusly. Prevention, protection, conservatism, and morality disappeared completely from the radar screen. They were simply unable to predict the degree to which passion would change them. And there's a lesson in that for investors too. Now, the lurid nature of the experiment may lead us to believe that its impact is limited to sex, but that would be a big mistake to think that. Because as uh, the good Dr. Ariely says in a footnote, quote, we can also assume that other emotional states like anger, hunger, excitement, jealousy, and so on work in similar ways, making us strangers to ourselves. Now, I want you to focus on that phrase, making you a stranger to yourself, because the students in the study knew all the rules. You always wear a condom. You never cheat on your partner. They just didn't care about the rules in the heat of the moment. Now, you too are aware of many of the rules of smart investing. They just seem obsolete in a moment of greed, or fear. Psychologist and trading coach Brett Steenbarger says it well, the net effect of emotion on trading appears to be a disruption of rule governance. 
Under emotional conditions, however, their, traders, attention became self-focused to the point where they were no longer attentive to their rules. Often, it wasn't so much a case that under emotional conditions they doubted their rules, rather, they simply forgot them. No matter how smart, an emotional investor is a stranger to themselves and to their rules. And this, my friends, is the heart of the problem. So uh, the debate will undoubtedly rage on about whether emotion gives you uh, good insights into how you ought to be investing or trading, or, or whether, as I believe, uh, it's a bit of an impediment. I do hope that you will take the time to go pre-order The Behavioral Investor because I've given some serious thought to this matter in there, and I think you're going to get all of the relevant uh, research for and against this argument there. In the meantime, if you are a fan of my work and you're a fan of the podcast, there's a couple of things you can do. First of all, you can leave us a five-star rating on on iTunes or wherever you listen uh, to podcasts. Next, uh, you can go buy a copy of one of my books, either The Behavioral Investor or The Laws of Wealth, thereby making me $3 richer uh, and helping me buy my kids a taco. Uh, And then finally, you can share this podcast. So if you've enjoyed today, I hope you'll do one of those three things. Thank you so much for your time. We'll see you next time.